Um, tonight, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Um, man, I, um, so Mark chapter 2, uh, we're going to be in this passage. We're, we're going to read just a couple verses. Um, we're going to read down to verse 5, and then just see, see what the Lord does with us tonight. So uh, follow along with me. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there were no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they had not uh, come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins have been forgiven. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. Uh, God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit. And uh, Lord, I need your help tonight. God, I pray that uh, we would just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, God, thick in this room tonight. God, I pray that you be with the people in this room, and prepare their hearts for the message. And God, I pray that, um, that I be guided by You, by the Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, to just preach the message that uh, You would see fit and that would be beneficial to Your people. And we'll give You the praise and honor and glory for it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, we're going to start out in verse 1, and we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of different things. There's so much meat uh, to this passage. And I could have read on and... And, uh, you know, there's, there's so much to that. I mean, really, this story goes over to, to verse uh, 12. But I really just want to focus on these first couple verses uh, of, of this chapter tonight. So, it says in verse 1, And again, he entered in to Capernaum after some days. Alright? Flip back to Mark chapter 1. And we start reading in chapter 1 of, of Mark, and we see that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Okay, He gets baptized, the dove comes down, He gets filled, and um, He calls His disciples, and the very first place that He goes on His journey of revealing Himself that, that He is the Messiah, we find in verse 21. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway, uh, on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. This was the first thing that Jesus did. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. Let's go down to verse 25. We'll skip 24. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. Come out of him. And look at 26, it says, and when, and when the unclean spirit had torn him, he cried aloud with a loud voice and came out of him. So Jesus, like the first thing that he does is he casts out this demon out of this, this guy that's filled, um, that's possessed. Well, the next thing um, that he does is he heals, uh, let's see, Peter's mother in, where's it at? Oh, I think it's verse 31. It says, and he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. So she was sick and Jesus 
took the sickness away. So the first two things that we see in Jesus' ministry as He gets started, we see that He casts out a demon from a possessed man, and He heals a woman. Now, there's a significance between uh, of, of these things. Alright? Flip over with me to uh, Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to be in verse 16 and 17. So, verse 16 says, And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. And verse 17 says, That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of uh, Esaias, or however you say that guy, Isaiah, uh, the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So Jesus casting out demons and healing the sick is something that Isaiah prophesied about. Turn with me to Isaiah Man, you get lost in Isaiah, can't you? Man, alive. There we go. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did uh, esteem Him stricken, smoten of God, and afflicted. So Isaiah is prophesying that Jesus is going to come and He's going to bear our afflictions, He's going to cast out demons, and He's going to heal the sick. Matthew tells us that Jesus is coming to do that exact thing. And what does He do in Mark chapter 1 and chapter 2? He heals the sick and He casts out demons. So what is He doing? He's he's, uh, fulfilling prophecy. So what does fulfilling prophecy prophecy do? It, exactly, it confirms that He is authenticating Himself as the true Messiah. So, if He's in the beginning of this, and He's going out and He's healing people, and He's doing everything that that the Old Testament said that He was supposed to do, then He's got to be the Messiah. Right? So, since Jesus' power had been displayed on His first visit to Capernaum, now on His return, we find people that are flocking to Him. Let's go back to Mark, and we'll we'll be in Mark for a little bit, um, where we were, Mark chapter 2. I'm in Matthew, man alive. There we go. <clears throat> so, verse 2 of that passage in chapter 2, it says, And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there were no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Why do you think that there were so many people that were there to hear what Jesus had to say? Because He'd proven Himself. Because God was real to them. Jesus was real to these people because He had seen them work. He had seen, or these people had seen what Jesus can do. And they said, I want to get in on this. Right? So, I want to ask you, the first thing that I want to ask you 
uh, tonight as we get into the topic of tearing the roof off to get people to Jesus. The first thing that I want us to think about tonight is that if we're going to do everything necessary, and if we're going to tear the roof off to get people to Jesus, Christ must be real to us. Because I've been, I've been in sales before. When I owned a business, I would sell decks and I would uh, do that all the time. And if I, didn't, if I could not um, confidently know my product and I couldn't confidently sell to a customer, there was no way that they were going to buy it. So uh, us as Christians, all right, if we don't truly know God, if we don't truly know the person uh, that, that we serve, how in the world are we supposed to tell other people about uh, the God in heaven, about the Jesus that died on the cross to take away our sins? How in the world are we going to do that if we... Now, it's one thing to be like, okay, I got saved and I believe in Jesus. As the Bible says that you need the faith of a mustard seed, which isn't that much. But I'm talking about knowing God personally. Knowing the God that has made changes in your life. The God that has done uh, mighty works in your life. That has provided for you when, when nobody else could. That has healed you when nobody else could. Do you know God that way? I wonder how real Jesus is to you. Have you given your heart and your life to Christ for salvation? Do you realize that heaven and hell are both as real as this church building that we're in? And we're destined to hell. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can change our destiny by getting saved. By putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. Realizing that we're sinners, that we need Jesus as our Savior. Think about what occurred on that day of salvation. We inherited eternal life by becoming part of God's heavenly family. I'm thankful that as a saved person, I don't ever have to worry about losing my salvation. Because salvation is not by works, it's by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. We may backslide, we may not live for the Lord, but if we're true believers, there's nothing that can pluck us out of the Father's hand. That is amazing. And if God can do that, what do you think He wants to do in your day-to-day life? I mean, think, think about what occurred. A man died, Jesus Christ died, and came back to life. And when he died, he paid the payment for the sin for mankind. What? That's crazy. But he did it for us. And if we can believe that, if we can believe that a man died on the cross to shed his blood to pay for our sin debt so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell then our day-to-day lives should be easy to, to have faith and trust in Him. But we struggle in those areas. We struggle in the areas of our finances and believing um, that if we tithe, that all of our bills will be met. And that when God tells us to give a certain amount of money to the church, that we need to listen and don't try to make sense of it. <clears throat> we struggle with that. Christ died for us and He was raised from the dead and He's 
uh, in heaven right now, and we believe that, but we don't believe that God will take care of our finances. What? What about, what about um, if God calls you to serve? We are not the poster children for uh, anything. But, I had a good job as a welder. And I felt, we felt led to start a business. Business went good for a few years. We were doing really good. God called us to the ministry. We closed the business. Now you would think that everything goes well after that. But it doesn't. I have never faced so much, I don't know, if, I wouldn't call it heartache or hardship, but hardness maybe in my life. Closing the business, we almost lost our house. We got our cars foreclosed, or uh, our cars repoed. Couldn't pay our bills. Like, our relationship was on the fritz. But wait a minute, we're called into the ministry now. How was it supposed to get worse? It was really good now, but now, how is it supposed to get worse? But the thing is, is it's, it, God's testing us. He's, he's growing our faith. He wants us to go through these times of, of hardship, but the thing is, is that how the outcome turns out is up to us. Because the thing is, is every outcome and every situation in our life will be victorious if we give it to God. So what we have to do in those times is we just have to give it to God. We have uh, my wife and my son found out that they have celiac disease, and that's absolutely devastating. We were Sherry came over the other day for, for dinner, and uh, how much did you say a pack of garlic bread cost? It was like two-something in the store. Is that how much it cost? Well, we got enough garlic bread, gluten-free garlic bread for our family. $28. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but the thing is, is the Lord... Gave that to them. What are we going to do? Just rejoice, I guess. There's nothing else to do. Everything in our lives, we have to look back at God because the thing is, is everything happens for a reason. It's for uh, us growing. It's for God to be glorified. It's never for any other reason than that. You say, oh, it's hard. It's hard, but God wants, he wants to be there with you, beside you holding you, walking you through this, this time because He's got something better for you. I think about my kids, and, and sometimes they struggle. But when they get in trouble, and whenever they're, they're doing things uh, that they shouldn't be, or even if, it, even if it's, they're not in trouble, and I'm trying to teach them something that's, that's hard for them, it's not because I'm like, oh, well, you got to cut the grass. I know that stinks. You can't watch TV now. No, it's to make them a better person. And God wants the same thing for us. The things in our lives don't happen because um, God's looking down and He wants us to have a bad life. No, He wants us to grow. He wants Himself to be real to us. I think these four men that lowered this guy down through this roof, I think God was real to them because they had, they had seen God work. The last time that He was there, they saw what God could do. And they said, Jesus is here. We're not going without getting this man in front of Christ. So they went up on this roof and they tore that sucker. They tore a hole in it. 
And they said, I don't care what it takes, I'm getting him to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can fix him. How, how real is Jesus to you guys? Think of your life right now. Are you letting God handle everything? Everything. Now, there's things that surface level nobody else can see. Only you guys know what's going on in your house, in your heart. Are you letting God handle it? Because what happens is, is we think even the smallest of things are, uh, God don't care about that. God cares about that. God cares about the smallest of things. God also cares about the large things. And He wants you to trust in Him on those large things. Maybe you've got a wayward child. Maybe you've got health issues. Maybe you've got financial issues. Maybe, I don't know, you fill in the blank. I don't know, but the thing is, is God wants you to give whatever that is to Him. And if, and if you're not, you're trying to deal with it yourself. Do you not believe God? Do you not trust them? Do you think that you could do a better job than what God can do? Because I found I can't. I fail. He's better at everything than I am. Sometimes it's tough and sometimes it's hard because we feel like we're forfeiting our right to whatever. But that's kind of the case. We need to forfeit to God. And we need to say, Lord, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to and I'm going to let you handle this situation. Some of the toughest, some of the toughest decisions that I've ever made has been letting go and letting God. That's tough. Because, because you feel like that, well, like for me, I feel like that if I don't do something, as the man of my family, if I don't do something that I'm being lazy, then I don't have control of the situation. That I'm not, um, you know, I don't want somebody to judge me because I'm not doing everything that I could do to fix the situation. But oftentimes what we need to do to fix the situation is to stop and let God deal with it. Pray about it. Do what you need to do. Uh, you know, read your Bible. Find passages that, that make some confirmation for you. But let God handle it. Because otherwise, I, how can you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and not believe that God can handle the small things that you have going on in your life? When Christ becomes real to you, not only will your submission and surrender become greater, but you will have an unrestrained desire to get people to Christ. As I travel the country, one of the things that I see is I see a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they're all a lot of talk. They're a lot of talk. Everybody wants to be holy, and everybody wants to be a good Christian, but nobody wants to do anything that the Bible says to do once you're saved. There's people that are, we have family members that are dying and going to hell, we have neighbors that are dying to going to hell, and we don't want to get out and talk to them because I don't know if we're embarrassed, I don't know if we just don't want to tell them, I don't know what, what the deal is, but if there was a hole out there in the middle of the road, would you not be out there warning people that there's a hole and they could possibly wreck? I would. There, 
then why in the world are we not telling people that there's a heaven and there's a hell and Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? But I'm telling you, if we're going to do everything that we, we can do, if we're going to tear the roof off to get people to Jesus, then God is going to have to be real to us. I mean real to us. I mean we're going to have to start giving everything to Him and be real so we can grow our faith and we can say God can do it. And now I have a burning desire in my heart to get people to Christ. Now, the second thing that I want us to look at is if we're going to tear the roof off to get people to Christ, we must be willing to take action. Coming to church, I love it. Love coming to church. I love getting to travel the country and go to different churches. And I'll tell you what, the word independent is, uh, independent Baptist churches, there's a broad spectrum, buddy. I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> woo! I mean, it is, chew. Anyway, so, but I'm thankful to be able to come to church. But a lot of churches, they have, they have a sign as they're heading out that says, you're, you're entering the mission field. Because it's wonderful to be able to come here with our church family and to be able to open the Word of God and to be taught and to grow our faith and all that stuff. But the work begins outside those doors. That's where the work begins. We've been called to share the gospel. We've been called to be witnesses. And it ain't in here. It's out there. Your friends, your family, your co-workers. You know, it's going to... I'm Man, I, I, I can think of people right now that because I was in a bad mood or because of whatever, I, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and I chose not to hand them a tract. I chose not to share the gospel with them. And if somebody doesn't come uh, along their way and share the gospel for them, you think about that person is going to spend eternity in hell because of a choice that I made not to share the gospel with them. If we're going to take action for Christ, there's a couple things we've got to do. Turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, 15 for me. First Corinthians 15. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to Scripture. The cross. If we're going to take action... We must often visit the foot of the cross. We must go ourselves. And I remember the day that I got saved in that room right over there. So often I, I'm in my prayer time and I'm, 
uh, even when I'm studying for, for messages, I think about that day when I bowed my head and I got saved. And I think about uh, the cross and what Jesus Christ did for me. And that is the center focal point of our relationship with God is that cross. And if we're going to have a desire to do anything for God, the cross has to be fresh in our minds. I don't know about you, but I get tore up when I think about getting saved. When I think about everything that God has forgiven me of, and that is my burning desire to think of of what I've been forgiven of, what Christ paid for the cross at Calvary, that gives me that burning desire to want to serve Him. Because there's no way that I could ever repay what He's done for me. All I can do is serve Him. But that's all He wants. He wants us to serve Him. And if you, if you have become numb uh, to serving the Lord, if you have uh, become numb to your salvation, then it's time to get down on your knees and become refreshed again and remember the cross that Jesus died for you on. We need to become refreshed. We need to visit Calvary in our minds often and think about what Christ has done. If our faith and our lives should be examined, the diagnosis should be Jesus. Everything, every aspect in our lives should reveal Christ. Our personal time, our time that's not personal, our time at work, our time at church, every aspect of our lives should reveal Christ. Now, we think about revisiting the cross, spend some time at the bottom of the cross and remembering our, the time that we got saved. And next thing I want you to think about is we must go and do anything that God tells us to do. Turn over with me to Matthew 28. You guys know where we're going. Matthew 28. Let's look at 19 and 20. Man, these, these verses are preached in missions conferences all the time. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whosoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You may be sitting there and say, God hasn't called me to be in uh, full-time work. God hasn't called me uh, really to do anything. This is not a calling. This is a command. God says to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. This is not an option. This is not, uh, well, I'm going to make up some excuses because I can't. This is not that type of thing. This This is a command that God has given us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. I mess up enough on my own, and something like this, I would rather just follow. I mean, I still mess up. I mean, there's so many times that I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me about giving somebody a track or witnessing, and I don't, you know? Maybe it's because I'm scared. Maybe I don't know what the reason is. But nobody's perfect. But the thing is, this is something that we all have to strive for. And if we're going to do something, and if we're going to be willing to do anything to get people to Christ, 
we have to listen to God. We have to obey what He tells us to do. How in the world, like, how are we going to get the passion to do something crazy like tearing the roof off of a house to get people to Christ if we, we can't simply just share with somebody? Sometimes the gospel is disruptive. You think about, uh, I was just with a missionary that's going to India. And they're, they're Buddhist there. And they're content. They don't care about uh, the Bible. They don't care about Jesus. And they really don't want you to bother them. Okay? They're good with worshiping their cows. And they're good with whatever else that, whatever else that they do. So whenever this guy, he told me, he said, whenever this, when he's there and he's sharing the gospel with people, it disrupts what they have going on. It throws uh, 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 a kink in their cog, per se, because they don't, they're fine, they're content with how things are. They don't want to hear that they're, they're wrong in what they're uh, believing. But sometimes that has to happen. Sometimes we have to be the ones that, that's willing to be disruptive. This, these men, over in Mark chapter 2, they said, well, couldn't get in through the door, so we're going up. We're going up on top of the roof, and they didn't let anything stop them. They didn't let anything stop them. They said, we're, we're getting this man to see Jesus at all costs. So they, they tore the roof off. They made a hole big enough to drop this guy down in. And Jesus said, because you believe me, because you've had faith, your sins are forgiven. And later on in that passage, you see that the man was healed of the palsy. We have big things sometimes going on in our lives. And if we don't have uh, a little bit of faith to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody, how in the world are we going to have enough faith for God to do big things in our lives. The devil uses our past and even our current situation against us to make us think that we can't be used. But we must stop saying, now listen to this, because it happens all the time. We have to stop saying, God doesn't do that for me. Because if you say that God doesn't do that for you, then you're calling God a liar. God will do it for anybody. Any saved person that believes in Jesus Christ, God can do the same thing to them as to them as to them. Oh, God doesn't do that for me. Yes, He does. You've got to have faith in Him. God doesn't bless me that way. Yes, He does. you just got to have faith in Him. If you're going through something, you know, it's to mold you. It's to mold you into who God needs for you to be. Not wants for you to be, but needs for you to be. Because God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you and your life. And that, need, that life needs to be molded. And sometimes when we go through things, it's to get us to the point where God needs us to be. So we must stop using our lack of faith as a reason not to let God have His way in our lives. He's with you and He wants you so He wants to use you so that Christ can be glorified. I think about the testimony of my life and I'll be honest with you, 
I would be totally fine to never share it again. Because it brings up memories. It, you know, I just don't, I don't like it. But God uses it. Everywhere I go, I'm, I talk to pastors, and they're like, brother, I want you to share your testimony. I'm like, okay. Do I want to? I don't really want to. Because I want to let all that stuff die. I want to be like God. You know how God, when we got saved, He don't remember all that stuff? I want to be like that. But God's using it. So if God's using it, then I've, I've, got, to, I've got to continue to do what God wants for me to do. Craig, could you get that table for me? I want to show you guys something here. Um, we all have a part to play in the call of action. Okay? We've been called to do something for God, and we all have a part to play. And it is important that we fulfill our job or it makes it harder on the next person. We have to do the job that we are supposed to do. And it is important. You, you think about those guys that were up on that roof. Okay? You set it up right there. There was four guys, and they're lowering down this man. And I'm sure, I mean, maybe he was probably light. Maybe, I don't know. But you think there's four guys, and they're up on that roof, and they're like, all right, let's let them down. So they're letting them down. And it's not so bad, but you think if there was two, if there was two guys, it would have made it even more difficult. Elliot, could you take your place, please, on top of the table? Gentlemen that I've asked to help me, would you mind helping me? Mike, John, who else? Tony. So, we're going to get... Just lay down, it don't matter. Whatever you want to do. You're going to be there a minute, so get comfy. All right. So Christ is over here, all right? Now, we've got to get Elliot over there. All right, so, uh, no, all you guys, could you come over here on this one corner? No, just a, just a corner, don't cheat, just a corner. Do you think without dragging him, is it possible to use that one corner to get him over there? Okay. What about... Tony, you and Craig go over there in that back corner. So just the back corner. You, yeah, you guys. So if, if we're going to get him over there, even though we have the manpower... Alright? Can we do it with just, just two corners? No? Not everybody can be a pastor. Right? Not everybody can be a missionary. Even though maybe everybody wants to be a pastor, sometimes it takes more than just pastors to get people to Christ. Everybody wants to be a missionary, but it takes more than pastors and missionaries to get to Christ. Tony, could you and Mike get on, just get on the centers there? Now, pick him up. Come back just a little bit. Alright, that's good. These guys could do the job. Right? 
But there's two guys that's missing out on the opportunity to serve the Lord. Even though Mike, Mike can handle this, but if Mike does it all, John's missing out on the opportunity to serve the Lord. This corner is supposed to be Mike's. Mike don't need that corner. That's not where God wants him. John, could you get your corner over there, buddy? Craig, could you get your corner right there? God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And when we each grab our corner, it makes it easier to get to Christ. Alright, that's good, guys. Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's important that each and every one of us find the corner that God wants us to be on and do what His plan is for our lives. Because if not, we see not everybody can serve this one, this one corner. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can do two corners. When, when the two guys got on the end and could do it, yeah, that's fine. But you know what that, that does? That burns people out and that, that uh, eliminates the opportunity for other people to serve the Lord. When, 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 everybody, when one person tries to do a bunch of different jobs that they're not really supposed to do, they're hogging all the glory... And they're like, well, no, I got this. I don't, I don't need you. I got, we're good. We're good. Bless you, bro, brother. I'm just going to get this, okay? No. If God has a purpose for you to grab a corner, you need to grab your corner and do what God has for you. So, tonight, as we look at this passage, we see these four men... Truly, truly knew who Jesus was, and they were Jesus was real to these guys. They had a burning desire to get this man with a palsy down to see Christ because they knew that Christ was the only way that this man was going to get healed. Because they truly knew Christ and that he was real to them they were willing to take action. They were willing to do whatever it took. They were willing to not hog all the glory. They were willing to each take a corner to make the job easier and to lower this man down to see Christ. Sometimes, there's some fixing that needs to be done to get to that point. I've gone through it. I mean, I'm going through it now. Who don't go through some fixing sometimes, right? But our purpose and our desire and our longing should be to get everybody that we can in front of Christ so that Christ can change their lives like He's changed our lives. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for today. I thank You for the opportunity uh, that You've given us uh, tonight to open Your Word and to, uh, God, just learn about You. And God, I just pray that that Christ is real to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that tonight, as the piano begins to play, God, I pray 